Welcome back to another episode of the Widow I Go From Here podcast, a podcast for anyone felt thrown into a season they were not prepared for. I am your host, Daisha Carter, and my goal is to focus on finding strength in God while walking the agonizing path of grief with the hope of discovering that Jesus is always the way. Here you will find candid talk steadied by the powerful word of God. Thanks for tuning in, and now let's listen and enjoy. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am excited about today's interview because this is my very first interview with a widow. And today's guest is Janetta Diamond. Janetta is someone that I've loved and respected in the Lord for many, many years. But her husband died um, maybe a year or so after Kima did. And the death of our husbands bonded us uh, just in a new way. You know, no matter how long we walked with Christ, when our lives are disrupted by grief and loss, it tests, you know, our faith in the one that we've chosen to follow. And so I look forward to having this conversation with Janetta because prior to the death of her husband, Janetta was a fiery soul for the Lord. And I can honestly say after the death of her husband, Janetta remains a fiery soul for the Lord. And so um, a lot happens in between though. And that's where we find um, intimacy with God like never before. And so my prayer today is that you will be inspired by Janetta's God story. And so Janetta. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. I am just excited. Well, thank you so much, Daisha, for having me. Thank you for that nice and wonderful uh, invitation, introduction. I really appreciate it. I'm so grateful to you. Oh, absolutely. So let's just dive right in. Um, why don't you okay. start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, family structure, what life was like growing up, how you met your husband, just the whole nine. All right. Um, do we got time for that? <laughs> you, we're, well, we're just going to have a chat. So you free okay. to, to talk as long as you need. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm a native of California. So I was born and raised in L.A. I'm currently 66 years old. And um, I grew up all my life in a church. So um, I was raised under a Baptist uh, ministry. And um, my mom was the glue, the backbone of keeping our family going to church. So as long as I re can remember three, four years old, I was in church. And um, she made sure we went to Bible study on, on Sundays. And I even joined a choir at an early age. So I sang pretty much all my life. I still sing not in a choir, but I love singing gospel music. And um, my mom was the one that taught us the word of God that, that really 
inspired me. My mom is still alive. She's 91. And my mom still wow. gets on her knees and she prays for all of us. Wow. Uh, I'm, yes, I'm the oldest of four siblings. I lost a brother that was behind me and uh, he passed away in 2013. But I have a sister who's married to a pastor, a minister in Birmingham, Alabama. And I have a baby brother. We're all in our 60s. But uh, uh, how I came, well, to say how I got close to God at an early age, not just by being in the church, but also uh, I didn't have a good, knit, close relationship with my dad. So uh, at the age of 13, I didn't feel loved. My father was a, a man who believed in tough love, but it looked like no love to me. So I stayed upset with God for a good while because I thought God was always angry with me because my father was angry. You know, my father didn't express love very much in the household. Uh, he was very disciplined. You know, he used to beat us when we were out of line, and I hated that. But um, I slipped into a depression about when I was 13 or so, and I took, um, I, tr I wanted to commit suicide, so I took an overdose of pills. But my mom is an LVN nurse, and uh, I got really scared once I took them, and I told my mom what I had did. And they rushed me to the hospital and they gave me something to get that out of my system. But when I didn't feel loved by my dad, I didn't feel loved by God. So I struggled um, looking for love in all the wrong places. So at the age of 18, uh, I got pregnant and I had a baby um, right after high school. And I had been a single mom for all that time. So right now, um, I have two adult children. My daughter is 48. My son is, uh, third, he'll be 39 in December. And I try to raise them in a church as well. I put them, everything my mom put us in in church, uh, singing in the choir, being on the usher board, going to Sunday school. I did that with my kids because I felt it was a great foundation that my mom had me in, even though I had lost my weight along the line of getting pregnant because I, I, I wanted someone to love me. And I learned that don't work either. Having mm -hmm. sex with men to try to get them to love you was not the answer. So, uh, I am um, Garland, my husband who passed away in February of 2019. Um, he's my second husband and I was his second wife. And he just wanted uh, a God-fearing woman. He wanted someone who could cook, clean, uh, sing, dance. He wanted it all. And when we met, <laughs> uh, that's how we did. I met him at Circus City. It was a uh, electronic store at that time, Circus City, on in 20, 2001. And uh, the store was about to close and he was in front of me and he overheard me and my mom talking about the gifts that Disney, at that time, my son was working on the Disney channel. He's an actor till this day. 
and he was on the Disney channel and I was sharing with my mom all these gifts and things that Disney was sending us. And my husband turned around and said, uh, excuse me, is there a way that I can get a hold of those gifts as well? And I looked at him like, excuse me, you all up in my Kool-Aid and don't know the flavor? Well, I responded that way. I don't oh, you said know. that. You said that verbatim. Like that is what you said. Yeah, he was. Uh, <laughs> he turned around and he was, I guess, calling himself being cute. And he said, uh, "How can I get some of those gifts from Disney?" I said, "Excuse me, you all up in my Kool Aid and you don't even know the flavor." <laughs> and my head was bobbing and weaving. And he just stood there with his mouth open, say, say, what? <laughs> so I said to him, he was just standing there frozen. And I said, uh, hi, my name is Janetta Brown. And uh, if you want to get to know this strong black woman that I am, you could take my number. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, Janetta. One. I am not surprised. <laughs> I am not surprised at all. You seem like the today, I'm talking about today. You seem like, I mean, you're polished. You know, Jesus is, is all over you today, but, but you seem like that would be your response. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was my personality. And so um, he took my number. And uh, he wrote on this card that he gave me his number, the hours that he would, we would, I can call him. And so immediately I thought, oh, this man is with somebody, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't think nothing of it. And um, he called me like two or three days later. He left me a message. He was working nights then. And uh, I was at work and something had me to call from my job, my phone number. And he left a message, and I was like, wow. And me and him, we talked every night for the whole week up until our first date. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even realize how handsome he was because I wasn't looking at him like that in the store. And uh, uh, he, we, he exchanged and told me what he was looking for. He explained um, what he used to be like, and he was tired of playing the player's game and running with all these women. He just want to meet a woman and settle down. And she's got to be like all those things I had mentioned. And I sang for him and that wooed him. And I told him I could cook. I told him I could dance because I love to dance. And um, we had our first date and he took us to, uh, he took, we went to, um, to uh, the to Burbank out there, there was a Tony Romans mm -hmm. out there. Um, City Walk is what it is now. I think mm -hmm. it's City Walk, and we went out there, went to Tony Romans, and before we got out the car, oh, he brought me yellow roses, so I was impressed with that. And uh, before we got out the car, he took me by the hand and he prayed. He prayed over our our day, the event, and that I was like, I looked up and I said, Lord, is he the one? Wow, I ain't never had no man pray on our first day. Boo, boo, boo. And uh, had a great time. And he played a joke on me. 
what happened was when it was time to, we had finished eating, he leaned over and whispered. He says, um, what I want you to do is I'm going to get up and leave and I want you to meet me outside. So I, I'm looking at him. He said, I'm not going to pay for this, but I want to know if you will hang with me. And he got up and he left. <laughs> I was sitting there looking around like, am I on candid camera? What's really going on? I was like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I could not get up. I said, well, it is what it is. And so I guess maybe what seemed like 10, 15 minutes, he came back in a few minutes. He said, I thought I told you to come meet me outside. I said, he said, girl, I done paid for everything. I tipped the lady. I just wanted to see if you would get up. And I was so furious with him, but I was able to laugh at it later. But it wasn't <laughs> funny at first. <laughs> wow. How our story. And then the night ended, he took me um, to his place and he played the Isley Brothers song, How Lucky Am I? And I love the words. And he just, we slow danced. And he wanted to kiss me. And I said, I don't kiss on the first date. Uh, trying to be all holy and everything. But <laughs> 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 I was trying to like let him know, you know, I'm a woman of God, Ray. I don't, I'm not going down like that. But um, we went out almost every weekend after that. And like on our third date, he talked about, I think we was in it going on a, a little over a month and a half. He told me that uh, he wanted to get married. And I was like, yeah, right, whatever. And uh, I thought he was moving a little fast. And then um, my husband, um, my husband used to be uh, in a gang. And my, he was a bad boy for sure. And somebody um, mistakenly thought he was somebody in this gang. And um, they shot at him. And the bullet went through his arm and through his toe. And uh, I got a call from his neighbor. And I drove to the rest, to the hospital. And his sister was there. I had never met her. But I told her that I was going to take care of him. And he's going to come home with me. So after um, he was there for a few days and they did what they had to do to remove the bullet, um, he was impressed that uh, I had him come to my place and uh, I doctored him back to health. And, and wow. he, he decided we, we met in June and he proposed. And we, he asked me to marry him on Christmas day of 2001. So six wow. months into Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> I love this story i love your story i love love stories like i love I love i just mm, that warms my heart you know to do something like that i don't think i don't think you know that was necessarily foolishness i think you had to have seen something in this man mm -hmm. that was concrete that was solid in him you know, at the very beginning in order to care for him, to be a caregiver, you know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. six months later, 
you are engaged. Mm. <laughs> like, it, that it, is it, a story for deep. the books. Mm, mm, mm. It was pretty deep. My husband was serious about getting married, getting connected to God. Mm-hmm. He was just really serious. He said he knew what he wanted and he saw all that in me. I mean, we had a very strong connected connection mm-hmm. um, and, and it blew me away. And when he asked me, I just like, wow, really? Wow. He got on his knees and uh, he proposed to me right at midnight on Christmas Day. And then he even asked my dad wow. for my hand in marriage. And I was just blown wow. away. Blown mm. away. <laughs> Come on, Garland. So <laughs> how did you guys become Christians? Like what? what you know what happened what happened in your, because before that you guys weren't disciples right no we I wasn't at that church and neither was he he was attending at the time when I met him uh the Crenshaw Christian Center where the uh pastor was um Price mm-hmm. and I was attending um Faithful Central okay. when I with Bishop Ulmer when I met Garland well, Garland was uh, in a motorcycle club, so my husband was a biker, so he was all the way bad boy, um, and what happened was John Lagarde drove his motorcycle on the street that we were living on, and um, Garland was watering the lawn, and he saw that he recognized him, and he whistled and told the flag the guy to come back, and John invited us to their home. Um, for a barbecue or something. He and after we went to the barbecue, they invited us to come to church. So after the third visit to church, Garland and I looked at each other and said, is he trying to get us to join or something? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how we ended wow. up there. We thought it was a little strange because I've never been to a ministry where um, there were all different nationalities you know, different cultures. So that's how we ended up. Uh, I had been baptized before, but Garland had not. So we did the studies, you know, we did the studies and we confessed that Jesus was Lord. And we both got baptized in uh, the pool at the Lagardi's house on January 27th on 2007. So, wow. That's how we got the ministry nice okay so 2007 well 2000 you guys got oh well I'm sorry what year did you guys get married 2002 when we agreed that we didn't want to live where God wasn't pleased uh we got married in August of 2003 okay wow so you were married for 16 years yeah, well, Garland, Garland got a chance to see us li- be married for 15 and a half years because he passed in February and our anniversary was in August. So okay. if he had lived till August, we would have been married 16 years and we were together 18 years at the time. Okay, okay. Mm. okay. So what happened where, how, how did he die? And then, but what led up to his passing? In 2016, Garland retired 
in, in June of 2016. And I retired in November 2016 because his health was declining. And so um, when he had his first heart attack, uh, they realized that he had blockage in two arteries and they uh, scheduled him to have a stent put in. And then they determined that he needed to have a defibrillator. And this is where they put one in. So if he ever has another heart attack, it would jumpstart um, his okay. heart. And if his heart was rushing too fast, it would slow it down. So he had a defibrillator. So um, what happened was uh, his heart was getting weaker, but Garland was going in like the last year, all of uh, 2018. Up until his death, Garland was going to the hospital every other week or every other day, and, and it was a routine. And um, Garland wanted to buy a new home, so in January of 2019, like a month before before he passed, we went house looking for a home. It was approved, and he got it because uh, it had a pool. And uh, he bought him, a, on his bucket list, he wanted to buy a, a, a Volkswagen. He was into cars made in the 60s and 70s. So he had an El Camino. He had a motorcycle. He had a Volkswagen, a Carmagia, And then he wanted another Volkswagen. So he was collecting stuff. Mm -hmm. He was just doing a lot of crazy stuff. And um, his last Christmas... He got sick on uh, Christmas Day. We had a big old um, Christmas breakfast. Everybody was to come in their pajamas. And uh, it was awesome. And he got sick. And the ambulance came with the house full of people. And they took him. And he um, stayed in the hospital for a week. Then he came home after uh, New Year's. And uh, we just focused on getting this new house. And then um, my mom had a birthday party in February, a Super Bowl, and Garland was in the best of spirits. Uh, and that was on February 3rd and uh, 2019. And Garland was on oxygen, but he drove himself <laughs> to the party and he and he dressed himself. We was in Rams gear. We were pulling for the Rams. Everybody had on their um, their favorite team outfit. And he came to the um, my mother's birthday party. He was able to sing. He didn't have his oxygen with him. He just looked he looked fine to me. I thought he looked great until I saw the video. But um, six days later, he went into cardiac arrest. I got a call. And I was reupholstering the chairs uh, to our dining room set. And I stayed with my girlfriend. She said, you ain't going to leave. I said, girl, that's routine. He does this every other week. He's okay. Bye, bye, boo, boo, boo. And I left her house about seven-ish. Got to the emergency about eight that day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I got there, the nurse tried to prepare me. Like she said, I want to tell you what your husband's condition is. I said, oh, 
lady, I know we do this every week. I already know. She was looking at me like, really, lady? She tried to tell me and prepare me. I said, I'm used to this, boo, boo, boo. She said, okay. And I went back there and it looked like Garland was transitioning, transitioning because I seen the same look on my brother's when he passed away. Mm -hmm. And I fell on my knees and I started screaming and hollering. Security came, tried to get me off the floor. And I was saying, Garland, you can't leave me now. Please don't leave. We got a house to move into. (laughs) Stupid. But I cried and they pulled me off the floor. I just went nuts. Because I wasn't expecting to see him like that. I usually get there and Garland talking mess, telling the nurse how to give him his shot and what medicines to give him because his mother was a nurse. So, mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case this time. And um, he was on put on life support um, later that night. Mm-hmm. How long was he on life support for? I left him on nice, like, life support. That was on the 9th of February. I mm-hmm. I took him off on the 18th that that um, morning, late mm-hmm. that morning, mm-hmm. the 18th. So it was a little over nine days. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't want my husband to suffer being paid. And uh, I ran up there. My daughter took me up there. And um, I said I wanted him to all everything. I wanted him taken off. And she said, now. And I said, yes, now. Mm-hmm. And they prepared it and stuff like that. So, Wow. Wow. Thank you for sharing just the, the story, the process. Uh, there's so many things that you've shared. Um, it just reminds me, but I won't even get into it all. The one thing that I will say is that I didn't know when Kima died, I didn't know what death looked like, right? Mm -hmm. And so how you were saying that you knew when you walked in that room, you knew that he was transitioning because because you've seen it before in your brother. And so I remember at this time, uh, my uh, boss, you know, Kima was ill and my boss, and she was like, Daisha, why, why are you coming to work? Like, don't you need to be home with your husband? I'm like, no, nah. you know, same same mm-hmm. response, different situation, but kind of, you know, like the same response, mm-hmm. like, nah, you know, he's going to get better. This is just where he's at at this time. He's in and out the hospital. Like, yeah, not, not, not don't you worry your pretty little head, right? Right, right. <laughs> and that day, that day, that night rather, but that that day, that work day, uh, which was a Thursday, I went home and I just saw the fight was gone. Mm-hmm. There was no more fight. And I said, uh, Kima, um, are you still fighting? And he could barely talk. It's, you know, he could barely talk. He could he couldn't move. Um, mm-hmm. The whole night. And and I could see at this this when I asked the question this time, mm-hmm. all the fight was gone. But I could see it mm-hmm. in his face. 
I could mm-hmm. see it by the lack of use of his extremity. Like there, there's a look of death there. You're right. I'm saying all this to say there is a look when someone mm-hmm. is transitioning that they have. And I remember telling my mom and that night Kima died that night. But I remember mm-hmm. telling my mom, now I know what death looks like. Yeah. Like now I will not take for granted because I know Mm-hmm. when I see that come on, it, it could be my mom, you know, it could be my kids. It could right. be, it, you know, people that I love. But when I see that coming into play, mm-hmm. I'm stopping life. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm, I'm showing up, I'm being there. Yeah. Like nothing will stop me from being there. And I think, and I'm great. And I say that because I'm grateful to even have seen it. And I hope that doesn't even sound crazy, but I'm grateful to know today what that looks like because it will help me to make different decisions in the future with my loved yes. ones, you know? Yes. And you know, when my brother transitioned and we were there, you know, on TV, they make it seem so peaceful. Yeah. So that yep. wasn't the case in my brother's case. When I saw him, it wasn't that he was struggling. The nurse came in and said, Oh, this is shutting down. This is shutting down and gave us approximately how much longer he was going to last. Yeah. Just to hear that was hard, but to see it, to see that look, I told my mom, I never, ever want to see that again. If they said somebody was passing away, I wouldn't want to be in the room or nothing. That was my decision. But I'm grateful that God allowed me to see what that looked like. I didn't know he was preparing me that I would see that look again. Yeah. And when I saw it, I... I holler. I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe because all that time, like, like you said, Garland's going to get through this. He would have been through this. He's going to pull through. My faith was to the point where God got this. Even when the doctor told me that my husband's heart stopped four times, they had to resuscitate him four times. And he says, that means he died four times. And I said, and I said, the God I serve got my husband. If he can raise Lazarus, I know he can raise my husband. I was talking all crazy, bobbing, and we like, man, miss me with that. But when I saw him, it was like, oh, my God. Because I didn't understand. I was like, God, am I not praying enough? Am I, did not, did, was my prayers not sincere enough? Was my heart, was I not crying out enough? What was it? Because I had heard about other people who were going through stuff and God kept them. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't understand why he let Garland go because I was believing that, oh, Garland was going to get through this. So it was very, very hard for me at the time. But where I'm at now, I have been rejoicing because God has taken really, 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 really good care of me Mm. through this so yes Mm, mm, mm. amen so before we even get to how God has really taken good care of you (laughs) because that is that is the direction I want to go with the podcast right is being thrown into a season but you find out that Jesus Mm. <laughs> Ooh, that's a whole Girl, don't get me to preach because <laughs> I can do that <laughs> okay so before we get there that will be my last question okay but before be so I have 
this is a privilege to me. I have the opportunity to talk to another widow. And so I would like to just ask you a few questions um, okay. that I'm just definitely curious about from one widow to another. Um, okay. And just how you dealt with some difficult decisions, you know, after losing Garland. Is that okay? That'd be fine. Okay. So when it comes, when it came to uh, taking off your wedding ring, how long did you wear your wedding ring? Or are you still wedding your, wearing your wedding ring? Wedding ring? Uh, I took it off. And okay. I never wanted to take it off. And so I had it on a little after a year. Uh, I started um, reuniting with some friends that I had um, before I met Garland. And they started coming back into my life. And um, we, one of my girlfriends, we had this conversation and she says, why are you still wearing your ring? And I said, because I want to. She said, but you're not married. Garland's gone. And it hit like a thunderbolt, like a, a piece of lightning hit me. I said, yeah, I understand that, but I'm not ready. She said, well, it seems to me that it would hurt you more knowing that it's on and your husband's gone than you taking it off. And so I was a little upset with her at the moment when she said like, what's it to you? But I didn't say that. But <laughs> <laughs> so when I got home, I was really torn about it because I felt keeping my ring on would keep me connected to my husband. And, um, I thought about what she said. So I asked God, what should I do? And the spirit said to me, like, well, honestly speaking, she was right. You're not married. It's just you and me right now. And I was like, wow, really? Mm -hmm. So I took it off. I cried when I did. I took it off. And I took a picture of my finger and I sent it to her. I texted to her. See, see, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But um, I kept rubbing for about maybe another year. I rubbed. I would like, I'm something is missing. Something yeah. is missing. Like, that's why I would never take my ring off because I would feel that I would lose it. And I kept rubbing and feel out, like, where's my ring? But that's what I did. I finally took it off. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at now. So, yeah. yeah. Man, I um it's a harsh reality, right? It's yeah, it's a harsh it's it's like being slapped in the face. That for me anyway. That's yes. That's what I felt like being slapped in the face. And it and it forced me to deal with the reality. And that right. was another episode of grief, honestly. It was just yeah. a, a being thrown into just another you know, harsh reality that this, that my husband is no longer here. And so, yeah. hey man, thank you for answering. Um, so question number two, how are your relationships now with his side of the family? Hmm. Well, um, the only relationship that I have strong is with his older brother. And the rest of his family just cut me off. 
They wouldn't respond to my calls. They didn't respond to my texts. I sent cards. I did all kind of stuff. And then I finally asked his sister-in-law, which is she was married to Garland's older brother. And she finally gave me a little bit of what was going on. Apparently they were upset that um, I didn't have people coming up at the funeral where, you know, they, I, we used to have where you go to a funeral and the minister will call uh, if there's anyone who have anything they want to say, keep your comments to two minutes, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want different people coming up. And, you know, so I appointed a few people and that was it. And I, I was under the impression they didn't like that, that once we did the uh, repass, that they went to the sister's house and they just talked about me terribly. And they just mm. decided they didn't want nothing else to do with me. Mm-hmm. And it really hurt me. You know, I would have rather you tell me what mm. I did, but to just leave me hanging and I'm assuming and don't know. So yeah. I had to really ask God to help me with that. Cause I cried and like, I try to give my husband the best funeral. And my sister said, Janetta, people mourn differently. They grieve differently. You know, pray that God heals your heart from it and you keep it moving. And so that's what I've done. Amen. Amen. That's a that's a whole nother podcast because I know like, huh? the way the 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 way <laughs> the world handles things is just it's just contrary to the to the to God's ways. So anyway, hey man, thank you for sharing that though. I appreciate you being honest. Um, so what did you do uh, with his belonging? My husband had a lot of clothes. My, my husband had more clothes than me, more shoes than me. Matter of fact, he had two closets. So <laughs> plus by him working with the post office, uh, he had a closet for all his postal stuff. And he just had a lot of stuff, but I got rid of him uh, pretty much within the last month or two after he passed. I didn't want to hold on to it mm-hmm. for a long length of time. I kept this little uh, beanie cap or something that he had. And in the beginning, I would take it and I, I would smell it because I would it would smell like him. Yeah. You know, and um. I said, I don't want to get caught up in this. Yeah. You know, I felt the sooner I let go of everything, the easier it, it would become for me. Yeah. Yeah. So what about his cars? I got rid of everything. Okay. So what, not what, sorry. Well, yeah, what what side of the bed? Like, did you find yourself sleeping on his side of the bed after he passed? I slept on his side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. It was just something about sleeping on his side of the bed. Um, I don't know why, but yeah. I felt more comfortable. So Comfort, somebody yeah. Could just yeah. Uh, so uh I sleep on his side of the bed till now. And it just gives me a, cer- a certain type of peace. I love it. I love it. I just love having this conversation. So I enjoy it too. <laughs> and it's, you're so easy to talk to. Oh, I mean, thank you. 
I mean, I mean, I just think about some of the conversations that we had prior to our husband's passing because he was sick and I saw you in the store and you just broke down and I just like hugged you like it's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, Garland wasn't as sick at that time, but uh, it's hard because I could see it in your face and your body language how much you loved and care for your husband. Um, I was always just inspired by the, your rapping, your testimonies, your sharing the word of God. You're just amazing. So um, I, I was a little nervous at first, but you made me feel so comfortable. Like I could tell you just about anything. And we've had those conversations. I'll share with you about stuff like you couldn't tell another Christian sister. They'd be yeah. looking at me, oh, girl. <laughs> like, you don't. <laughs> then I learned. I said, you can't tell every sister in the ministry some of your stuff because they look at you like, oh, girl, you do what? You say what? Yeah. But you're, you're not right. like that. And I'm grateful that I feel so safe sharing, you know, my experience thank you Janetta I'm I'm getting emotional but thank you okay so moving on this is my last question <laughs> okay. um the last and final question so um I was going to ask you are you open to dating again uh well you can answer that that can just be yes okay. or no are you open to dating <laughs> um you know I'm not there I found out my mom says, girl, you still young. I pray that God send you a mate. I think you are. And I laugh because I have insecurity. You know, you could get so comfortable with your husband. You know, my husband loved me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. So he knows about every cellulite, yeah. lump, bump, dump. <laughs> and... <laughs> You know, I didn't have no shame or nothing. Where I'm at now, I don't know if I could give that kind of energy to even meet a man. Yeah. You know, my, I love my husband hard. I gave, I gave him all of me and then some. That's when I realized I had put my husband before God. Mm -hmm. And it was a learning lesson that I would never, ever do that again not even through my children or my grandchildren god should always be first yes. first place yes but uh, he he let me go through some things and we're i'm in a better place with god now because he showed me and revealed to me so much um during this time without my husband but yeah. no i'm not ready to date again yet <laughs> amen, amen. No, I get it. So I, I won't talk too much, but I, I get it. I do think that, um, well, from my perspective anyway, you know, marriage, relationship, not even marriage, relationship in general, it takes a lot of work and mm -hmm. I'm not ready for the work. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm so yeah. happy and content in my relationship with God. Um, mm -hmm. It's just, I'm just, it's just a whole nother level. And man, man can't even come close to the level that I'm on with God right now. Like, a, you know exactly. what I mean? Like, I feel like man right now is beneath me. Like man is right. beneath what I'm experiencing in my relationship with God. Uh, I can't, can't no man come in 
and, and disrupt this. Not right now. So anyway. Hey there. I just wanted to chime in really quickly. So the comment that I made about men or man being beneath me, that to me came across super arrogant and condescending. And that was not my intention. I was I was trying to communicate that where where I am in my relationship with God right now, having a relationship with a man in comparison is like settling for a cheap thrill. Like man, human being, to be in a relationship with another human being doesn't even compare or can't even come close to the intimacy that I'm experiencing in my relationship with God right now. So I do not, man is not beneath me. I am not above man. I was just trying to communicate a comparison. And so that's all. I just wanted to be clear. Okay, back to the episode. With the coronavirus and how he kept me and my family, he's keeping us, protecting us. This was an opportunity that I've never had before to spend the kind of time I have spent with God. Mm. It's just amazing. And he reveals, it's just certain things now I just ain't going to settle for. Yes. You know, mm. I, he has mm. me where technically I don't need a man. Mm. Technically. Mm. Mm. Because God is doing it all. He's taking care of it all. So yeah. I, okay. I even told my mom, I said, Ma, you, you know, in order for me to have sex again, I would have to be married. And mm. uh, I ain't marriage material right now because I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> I don't want to clean. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it sounds funny. Oh. I don't want to cook. I don't want to clean. You, I Janetta. Cause I don't do it. I get up when I want to. I I refuse yeah. to have somebody come in my life saying, "Oh, baby, can you uh, fix to <laughs> get up and yourself?" He would probably look at what's Christ like about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that really is this 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 conversation right here that I'm gonna halt is truly another podcast for another day like this okay. is good conversation Janetta because I feel you 100 percent oh but that's God that's him being nobody being but all. God nobody yep. but God yeah okay so my real last question how has God shown up for you like literally how has he specifically shown up and shown out you can give me one one real life example. Okay. This is it. Um, Garland didn't pre prepare me. You know, he didn't go over insurance policies. He didn't talk about, you know, he said we would do that later. So he really thought he had time to say, I'm going to do a will. I'm going to buy us a trust. He was going to put everything in order, right? He didn't do it. So um, when I, when he passed away, I mentally, it really had a nervous breakdown. Mentally, I felt I did. I screamed to the top of my lung, Lord, what am I going to do now? How am I going to take care of this? The house ain't in my name. Nothing is in my name. What am I going to do? 
Where's his money coming from? I don't even have money to bury him. And what God showed me, this is what he whispered. Are you going to trust me? Hmm. And I'm <laughs> He said, are you going to trust me? And I said, yes. He said, okay. Stop all that crying, which I did. And God prepared me what I had to do. So my daughter and my husband wasn't close. God showed up in my daughter. I've lived here all this time. My daughter would come to LA. She lives in San Diego. She never would come and stay with me. When Garland was alive, she didn't want nothing to do. She couldn't stand them. God used my daughter. I needed at that time, just for burial stuff, $8,000. I didn't have it at the time. His insurance company, my neighbor had to show me where to call. She worked for the post office. She was retired. They told me it was going to be months before they can distribute the money, blah, 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 boo. My daughter gave me $10,000 and told me, mama, whatever you need, I got you. So then I found out I had to have money for opening and closing. So I told my mom, my mom gave me $1,200 on the spot and went with me to the um, mortuary to pay for that. Whatever I need, my mom and my daughter was right there. So I was in the process of buying another home. So I was able to get out of that contract. My realtor, I told him if I didn't have to move, what can I do? He said, I'm going to get an attorney for you. Don't worry about how much it costs. See what she can do to help you stay out of probate. God sent my realtor, my daughter, my mother, got an attorney, sent me money. I got money from Garland's tax return. It came. I was able to cash that money. I mean, everything falling out of it. You talking about showing out? Mm. I won my case in court to keep my house. Then the attorney turned around and did a trust for me. So my kids or my mom or nobody else would have to go through what I went through. Everything was transferred in my name. God uh, sent someone to get by these cars. I had mm. wrote, I had wrote down the past. Robert said, write down five things you think would be impossible for God to handle. Selling those cars were on that list. I got rid of both of them. Money was coming from left and right. When the guy came and wanted to buy his motorcycle, he gave me cash, mm. 2000 cash. So not only that, I was able to keep my home, do a refi where I was able to get, drop the mortgage was 2,300 a month at the time. Got it down to 1,400. Wow. Got it down. I refied a year later, got it down again for 1,300. Wow. God has shown me, I'm going to take care of you if you trust me. Mm. So you talked about showing out. 
I'm still in my home. I didn't owe nobody money for being in the escrows that we in because they pulled out. They didn't want to wait for the court date. Um, I'm still close to my mom, my grandkids, because if I was going to stay out in Hemet, I would have been out there all alone, mm. crying every day, having nobody come see me, nobody to visit me. So God turned my whole situation around. Wow. <sighs> that, that's what he did for me. Mm, mm, mm. I love it. So, <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to read the scripture. <laughs> okay. <sighs> mm. God is God amazing. I used, to say, I used to say more than if that God is only good. I keep saying, won't he do it? If you trust him enough, won't he do it? Yes, and he did it for me. Yeah. Everything that I had asked him, God took care of it. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, I I I I have my own testimony 100%. There is not one thing. There is not one thing that has fallen out of the sight of God. Yes. Like that that amazes me. I'm just but but what it does, so I am hemodiac. So now I'm four years into being a widow. Mm -hmm. The decisions that I make today, the decisions that I make today in faith mm -hmm. are because what I've seen God do in the past. And so Yet. the more and more I'm just like, girl, what 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 are you what are you doubting? <laughs> Why are mm -hmm. you doubting? Like your God yeah. has come through. You don't, you, you don't, you don't have a right to doubt. <laughs> like you don't have a leg to stand on. Like your God has come through. And come I on just now. be like, yes, he has. Okay. Anyway, Hallelujah. Luke, Hallelujah. Won't he do it? <laughs> yes, he will. Yeah. So, I know, girl. Luke chapter 18, verse 3. This is deep, Janetta. So it says, and there was a widow. Luke 18, verse 3. Are you pulling it up? Come on now. I got my Bible here. I knew you were going to come throw something at me. <laughs> Luke. Chapter 18. 18. Verse, verse. Okay. I am there. Okay. And there was a widow in that mm -hmm. town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant mm -hmm. me justice against my adversary for some time he refused but finally he said to himself even though I don't fear God or care about what people think yet because this widow keeps bothering me I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me and the Lord said listen to what the unjust judge says and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And so this is this, this, what about your story resonates with me as I read this scripture? Yes, and so yes. Jesus, 
right? Talking about the unjust judge. Okay. But he uses a widow. Mm-hmm. He uses a widow as the example because mm-hmm. widows, what do we do? We, we, mm-hmm. We're crying out to God day yeah. and night. Yeah. Are we not? Are we not? Every uh, day and night. Day and night. And, and do we not feel like, God, when is the grief going to end? When is the pain going to stop? When, when, when? I ask that all the time. And Jesus says, this judge was unjust. Mm-hmm. And he granted the widow's plea. Right. But here Jesus says, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who who cry cry out out to him day and night? night. Will he keep putting... I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. quickly. Mm, mm, mm. Has not God brought about (laughs) just... Like when, when you just share how God has come through for you, Yes. Is that not God bringing up, making sure that you get justice quickly because you're his chosen one? Mm. Yes. He did that. He did that. Amen. 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 This was was so good. Aisha. Thank you just for showing up today. Thank you for just sharing your life with us. Powerful testimony about the goodness of God in the midst of some pain and suffering. And so, whoo, thanks for tuning in. Widow, I go from here community. I hope that you have been blessed by Janetta's story. And until the next time, folks. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. Episodes are released on Wednesdays. To find out what I'm up to, please follow me on Instagram at Widow I Go From Here and check out my website at widowigofromhere.com. And until the next time, folks, bye for now.